0: The Sarah Lawrence Theater Program works, learns, and lives on the land of the Lenape, Munsee,
1: and Wappinger peoples. We pay respect to the ancestors past, present, and future. The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers.
0: We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College.
1: After which, we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us. But how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us?
0: They share with us their tips tricks and sources of inspiration
2: reflect on past performances and projects
1: and keep us up to date on what is next stay
2: tuned for the performance lab podcast
0: Hello, my name is Chisom Awache. Today, Red, Goody, and I are joined by Autumn Knight. Autumn Knight is an interdisciplinary artist working with performance, installation, video, and text. Her performance work has been on view at various institutions, including Diverse Works Art Space, Art League Houston, Project Row Houses, Blaffer Art Museum, Crystal Bridges Museum, Scohegan Space, New York, The New Museum, The Contemporary Art Museum, Houston, Optica Montreal, Canada, the Poetry Project, New York, Craner Art Museum, Illinois, the Institute for Contemporary Art, VCU, Human Resource Los Angeles, HRLA, and Academy der Berlin. Knight has been an artist-in-residence with In Situ UK, Galveston Artist Residency, YICA, Yamaguchi, Japan, Artspace, San Antonio, Texas, and a 2016-2017 Artist-in-Residence at the Studio Museum in Harlem, New York. Knight is a recipient of various awards and fellowships, Artadia Award, 2015, Art Matters Grant, 2018, Rima Hort Mann Foundation Award, 2019, Anonymous Was a Woman Award, 2021, Foundation for Contemporary Arts Grant, 2022, the 2021-2022 Nancy B. Negley Rome Prize in Visual Art, and a Guggenheim Fellowship, 2022. She served as a visiting artist at UC Berkeley, Princeton University, and Bard College. Her performance work, Wall, is the first live performance work entered into the permanent collection of the Studio Museum in Harlem. Knight participated in the 2019 Whitney Biennial. She attended the Scohegan School of Painting and Sculpture, 2016, and holds an MA in Drama Therapy from New York University. Wow. Thank you so much, (laughs) Autumn, for uh, speaking with us today. And of course, for the time that you spent with us during Performance Lab a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Just to start, could you talk us and our listeners through um, the exercises that you led in class during our Performance Lab? Yes,
2: yes. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk with you both. Um, So I visited Sarah Lawrence College a couple of weeks ago and we did a workshop and the exercise was mostly a long form improvisation. Um, it's a type of improvisational exercise where everyone in the room is involved. So there's no one watching per se. They aren't isolated scenes. Everyone is um, sort of active in building the world of the improvisation, building the world of of the play, and letting um, images and ideas and moments morph one into the other. So that's the general gist of the exercise, and everyone is sort of is sort of invited to offer whatever they need to offer, whatever emerges from them in the moment, and the group can accept it. The group can reject it. Um, It's my job as a facilitator to pick up on what people are offering in different moments, especially if that offering isn't made um, visible to the entire group right away. So that is the um, sort of the overall summary of what this exercise
0: was. Yeah, it was very exciting to do that um, in class. I've done some improv before. I don't know that I've ever done long form improv with that many people. Um, And I remember in class, you mentioned that that exercise is sort of something that you pull on when when you are asked to do workshops with students. Um, And I was wondering uh, why that was your go-to and and what sort of benefits you might see in offering that to, to different groups.
2: It's a, It's normally a group of people who know each other or just met each other. So there are things that I think the group itself um, can find useful in knowing itself better as a group, as a group of people going forward. I mean, obviously, you know, when, when that work is done with a group, um, a class, for example, there's, there's a bit, there's more information available to the group from things that have happened, even right. if the group has only met a, a couple of times, the group has information about each other to share. And I think going forward, um, the group has information about um, itself and each other as they continue on throughout the course, right? People kind of have opportunities to build to build trust with each other, build knowledge about each other, builds um, knowledge about how the group has been working, and the potential for it to work as a group in the in the in the future. I mean, um, I think also it's a good way to perform without performing for a specific audience. To be performative, right? To exercise daily performativity and also to exaggerate it um, when the moment uh, demands it.
1: Um, yeah, so these are some of the reasons why I think it's a good uh, exercise from group to group to group. I was doing some looking into uh, some into your work and particularly like yes and no occult, um, grand opening and closing. Like there's a lot of... Um, it seems like as though there's a lot of improvisation that comes into that in the performance, but also with audience involvement. And I'm curious about how you think about uh, performativity in that regard as you are performing and then also as these individuals are improvising around and through that.
2: I can think to performativity in terms of um, like the need to, to draw forth a to draw forth and point to a performativity that exists, I think, in the everyday. To point to the ways in which we do perform and question why we are given the performance that we're given, we're giving. Do we feel compelled to do so um, through culture? Is a moment giving us anxiety, and it's making us perform that way. In that instance, is it um, is it that we like to perform? We like to give a certain performance in a certain situation. Um, like we find it exciting, and titillating, risky. When I think about improvisation, especially with with other people, I think about. Um, Witnessing how they like to perform, and um, and how my performance is altered by that in a way that I am aware of and not aware of, and can and cannot control.
1: How do you feel? Like sort of going back to thinking of this improvisational exercise occurring, you know, at Sarah Lawrence. A, uh, a school an academic institute um, and how do you think that performativity is affected when in the context of an institute or a gallery maybe thinking of it like social like social standards or like a, like a social connotation of an institution or a gallery and then how improvisation and re- like lives within that.
2: You mean lives within that as opposed to you had an academic institution,
1: you got a gallery slash museum, and then is there a third space that these things are being compared to? In thinking of this exercise, is there a level of performance, or yeah, perhaps performativity that is different? Maybe there is a third space. So what is the difference in performativity as perhaps the performer, yourself within it and then the audience within these spaces of the institution of either academic settings in which we're we're experiencing this workshop or perhaps presented work such as the gallery?
2: Not sure because I do feel like I am invited into these you know invited as a person who does performance so to some degree I mean, it's different. I mean, I think, you know, presenting a talk about your work as a person who does performance and then doing something um, performative, it's, um, it's asking for for different things, right? So I think that even in the educational, even in the academic setting, I mean, first of all, like getting in front of a group of students is a performance, period. I mean, I, I think I think there's a certain level of um, a performance of authority or a performance of denial of authority, like we're all equal, or you know, or to be like I'm a, a knowledgeable person. I mean, there's there's some performance of hierarchy and separation because you do have to. I mean, as a guest or even as a uh, professor, you you you're you're entering into a role, right? When you are. In that di- in that dynamic, so even as a guest, I am performing a thing, and then I'm a perp and then I'm a, a guest who is a artist who makes a lot of performance. So um, to some degree, I do think that just inherently, um, there is a, there is a performance taking place, especially a group of students who I think. Have not <clears throat> have never seen me do a performance, so in some to a certain degree, I think there is a an invitation to um, to give a, a taste of what that might be, right through 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 my relationship through the this many many institution that I make with um, with this class in the workshop. Um. So I think that it has to have like a dual role of like instruction. But I do think in a in a profession, not professional, it's all professional, but I mean a gallery or another institution, museum, art space. Um I think the roles are just different. I think it's I think it's just the the roles are <clears throat> slightly different. Right? Like having to perform, having to perform knowledge. Mm. I think is the, the performativity that gets gets activated in a different way. I mean, I do I do think that even when you, you know, do a thing out there in the world, you do you you do have to perform some um some confidence and some knowledge about your work, right? Um, to be able to um if you already got the invitation to be there, but just to kind of like you know, show it. Like, I, I am the su- supreme. Um, I have the supreme knowledge about this thing. And I'm going to share it with you. I think that's the space you sit in when you are, um, I guess, out there in that. I don't know what to call that space. I mean, I think these spaces are very similar, honestly.
1: Yeah, I feel like the, like, in, you know, my my world is, it's very like academic focused at the moment, of course, um, being in school. But um, yeah, I, I feel like also in the gallery space, there is sort of a like the reverence of the artist as like you of, you know, a reverence of your craft or like a knowledge of your craft um, and like having an, a sense of expertise around it. But sort of going back to like looking at your work, there seems to be a really strong distinction of or not distinction but a strong um through line of like breaking the line between gallery and participant and participant and audience. And I'm curious about how you've arrived there in to those discoveries or perhaps like how you would describe it yourself.
2: Okay, the separation between performer audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: An in institution. I've always worked with an audience. I mean, I grew up doing theater, so <clears throat> I always, I always had a relationship to an audience, to to um, somebody looking in real time, not necessarily looking at something that you made, but like looking at you making the thing and presenting the same thing at the same time. So I've kind of always had a relationship with the audience and have having to uh navigate, navigate and, and, and kind of guide the audience, guide, guide the viewer, guide, guide the looker. So I, I think it's um I think there's a difference relationship between like, you know, an art that's an object. And the viewer gets to decide, I mean, I, I mean, the viewer gets to decide, you know, either way. I think even when you have an audience, you can't really control what your audience is actually seeing or hearing or looking at and taking in. I, yeah, I think I would just say I've always had a relationship uh, with, with an audience. And I think that relationship has become more, more nuanced. Because, uh, because um, there are fewer, there are different expectations in the contemporary art world of what an audience is, expect- is, um, is expecting and how they are expected to behave as the audience. So I think that um, constantly changes the relationship between the two. That is the thing that is different than my
0: my past experiences or the foundational experiences I've had with audiences. When you work on pieces that have a lot of audience participation, how do you, is it possible to prioritize care in that like you can anticipate when things might go left um, when it comes to like long form improv? Whenever I do improv with groups of people, part of me is always a little concerned that something strange might pop off and that didn't happen um, in Performance Lab. And you did at least present or perform in a way that you had total control of the space and really commanded it. So as soon as we started, like I I wasn't worried about that so much, but I'm wondering you know, when you start to develop a piece and you have different audiences, different groups of people from different walks of life, is there a way for you to prepare for things, maybe taking a turn that you didn't expect? No,
2: there's no way. There's no way to prepare. Does that make mm-hmm. you nervous? You know, um, America has become a place where being in public is violent. Hmm. Being in a public, being in public, that's it's uh, slowly getting there. I think. For most of us, like the conscious, the the realization, like the like the that really coming into focus is really really slow. But public space is becoming more and more dangerous, is more and more anxiety around it. So I think the idea that something unsafe could happen inside of a performance. To me, I'm like, yeah, it's inevitable like culturally it it is inevitable we not 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 sorry not inevitable, but it is it is possible I don't mean inevitable, but it is possible that it can happen because there are many dangerous things happening in in our public space, period, so I don't necessarily. Hold that as a sacred space. You know this this uh, this art space, this gallery space. Um, I mean, I think psychologically, you know, America is a very aggressive and unsure space that we have to kind of work it work against. So the idea of you know what could happen. I mean. I mean, who,
1: who, who can tell? Who knows? I mean, you just have to hope for the best. At least what I've noticed, Autumn, in your work is the, is the, like, while perhaps there is the ever present knowledge that something could go awry. And a lot of times in like the work that I've watched and it's, um, and in experiencing it in performance lab, there's also a lot of opportunity for, like joy and laughter to come out of these moments and i'm curious about like about maybe perhaps what surprises you in these um, improvisations um in relation to joy or i don't know collective humor
2: i think what surprises me or that i not su- surprising me that i find over and over again that people people do want to experience joy they really do and they do want to laugh i think part of the journey is finding what are the things that collectively people find humorous or what is what is what is the consensus like what what are some of the things that this group of people find okay to to laugh about to find mm-hmm. humor in like what's is it high is it low is it in the middle like in terms of the subject matter, the, the physicality, uh, maybe a shared cultural, um, I guess, idea that is, you know, humorous, that arises. I, I think people do want to release that vow. And I find it as a, a challenge, you know, in my work to, to try to usher that forth right, the releasing of that valve, that finding of the collective humor. I'm so glad that people do say that there is some joy experienced there, 100%. Because I don't know exactly what the source of the joy is, right? Because I think there are many, I think for different people, there are different things that uh, trigger that response. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think improv, I think it's I think the thrill of not knowing where you're going next, I think it's so anxiety producing, but I think at a certain point, which is why I think the longer form is, is so useful because you just, you, you wear yourself out on, on anxiety. It's it's exhausting. Okay. And I, I can attest, I can personally accept it. It's exhausting. You just get tired of it at a certain point. <laughs> and, um, I think, you know, within this, this period, is like, okay, oh, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. And then you just, you just get burnt out and you still got like 30 minutes to go. Like, okay, let me just, oh, I don't know, maybe try to enjoy it. Is that a possibility? So I I think I find that surprising the moment to watch each person. Some people jump in right away, but some people like, the question of, should I just try to enjoy this? To see that and people um, surrender to that is always uh,
0: a moment of surprise. I kind of want to pivot a little bit um, and talk about collaboration. The uh, residency that you had at The Kitchen, I think in 2020, listed the building that you were working in as a collaborator. Um, And I would love to hear you talk about, you know, what that meant for you, how you sort of entered the space, became acclimated with it, I don't know, introduced yourself to the building before you got to work. What was that like?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I originally was supposed to do it in uh, Queens Lab, which is in Ridgewood, Brooklyn. But um, because I live in Harlem, And at that point in the pandemic, people weren't really riding the trains. So that's how I ended up doing the project at at their building on 19th Street. And um, how I introduced myself to the building. I mean, I went for a site visit and, you know, looked around the entire building. And then I actually spent a couple nights sleeping in the building. Hmm. I, in the building. I, I I really thought I was going to do that the entire residency period, but um that did not um, think, seem feasible because it's it's a it's a big building. It's a big building with a lot of history in it. You know? And uh, I feel like I could feel the you know the weight of that uh, overnight. And um, so I, I was like, I don't need to get to know the building by sleeping in the building. I mean, that is that is a type of choice that I can, you know, talk about, say that I did. But even even in discovering that I didn't want to sleep in the building was useful, was helpful, which helped me think about how I wanted to relate to the building in the daytime. So like not being afraid to or being encouraged to go in the corners of the building during the daytime to really get get back in, in the in the depths and the corners and the cracks and, and um and see what um what the what the different layers of history were in the building. How how did how did that show up in in the building, in the tears? And the walls and the things that people left behind, the storage, like what they chose to store here. because um, at that point, the building was full of stuff that um, it's like from older projects. and also the staff kind of just like left because of, you know nobody knew what was going on at that point in the pandemic. So it was like, you know, almost like open books like left on, on desks. It was kind of just like, I mean, not quite like a half, you know, finished like cup of coffee, but it was, it was kind of something, it was similar to that, that, that feeling, that rapture feeling. Um, So as a collaborator, the building is my collaborator. I, I really, I really felt like the building was like, you know what, whatever you want whatever whatever part of part of me you want to explore and rip up and tear up and there's some surprises for you left over by other artists who are also collaborating with you by leaving you know for example the hole in the floor or one artist had torn out a wall uh, all of that was uh available and useful to me and um uh, but I really appreciate the staff at the kitchen though for real for initiating that, for really telling me you can use this entire building. You can use, you can go in any building, I mean any room you want. The whole building is yours. And that type of um that, that type of gift from an organization, from a curator, from a technical staff, is it's it's a, it's a real it's a real gift.
1: Was that the was that the first time that you had gotten to experience a space in that way in your work? Uh, Maybe the a space that size. Mm -hmm.
2: I think I actually tend to, you know, at the site visit, go in the back, go in the back and see where the where the. The, the, the paint is chipping off the walls and where where do they keep the the old stuff? Where do you keep the storage mm-hmm. stuff? Where do you keep where's where's the stuff behind the stuff? The stuff behind the curtain. So I think I do that. But I think having a um having an entire empty building, I think it was the first time that I got to have a whole building. Cause and I think I mean again because of the pandemic. Because so there's no way, there's no way that would have happened if staff were in that building.
1: So thinking about like it's so like vastness of space and shape and then like applying that to your work. And I guess like I'm maybe perhaps I'm thinking of like the installation aspect of how you work and and like how you perhaps think of these things if you do. Or if perhaps there's a better way to describe it of like thinking of your work in a sculptural sense And if, if that's like the, if that's the right word to describe it, I like in terms of like thinking of shape or structure within, whether that's temporal, whether that's like material, like how that arrives.
2: I very much do think about this when I think as it's coming together, right, right before the performance, like, I think I'm putting together pieces of it, but I think in the, in the hours before, in the days right before I think I can get a clear picture of okay, what elements do I need to have in here to make this feel more sculptural, either in highlighting parts of the architecture that already exist um, or adding some some kind of texture in the space to um, to kind of like you know. Pro- to include a, a a feeling that um I want there, but I don't know how I don't know exactly what that what that feeling is yet. I was just thinking uh, image pops into my mind. I did a performance in Chicago and I had uh I had a pile a pile of apples on the table. And it was like this um somebody made them into a pyramid. And uh and, and I had I think I also had a pile of bananas. On a table, and then also kind of like made it like a mound. I because I was like, I just need some apples. I need some. I need some bananas, and I was like, I will just go away and come back, and I'll see what y'all do with it. And they did it, <laughs> and they did this thing. And I don't because like, I because I did not have the time to say how I needed them to look. I gave that task to someone else, but I think the quant the the quantity the feeling of abundance is a thing that, you know, is a thing that like I, I needed, but, but giving that task to someone else to, to create the aesthetic of a bunch of things gave it this sort of like, almost like this pyramid shape. And I was just thinking about like, you know, yes, yes that and then this person made this into sculptures almost like it's it's like these things like you know it was like an equation and so we get then we had these you know these pyramids and then we had this, this different um relationship to um space i could cut off the space like some people on the other side couldn't see you know on the other side of a pile of bananas like it obstructed the view but it's also I mean you know pyramid is a very powerful symbol yeah I mean I mean that's just one example but I do I do think that I I try to just pull forth um and highlight things that exist you know placing the audiences in different places I mean and making the audience itself the way that um, they're seated into um, a sculpture, into an installation. I mean, there are just so many ways to do, so many ways to do it, and I feel like I do experiment with that from performance performance. And in, in that same performance in Chicago, I I had a mound of chairs, so the audience came in and all the chairs for them to sit in were just just in a big mound. So like a hundred chairs, just. In a, in a tangled mound. And so it was their job to, if you want to sit down, you got to go get a chair out of this mound and try not to knock it over. <laughs> so, you know, there's also like, you know, a little bit of a game in it. A, a, a task, a, a puzzle um, that I think is tied to the the building of sculptural elements
0: within a space. I would love to walk into a show and just like have all of the chairs just away somewhere and be like well mm-hmm. I would like to sit down so I guess I'm gonna go <laughs> get this chair. Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking about just the you work in a number of different spheres and with so many different kinds of material um, as you just you know mentioned and I think I'm just wondering like how you came to Well, how you came to that, that sort of process, like what motivates you as you're working on an idea and drafting that you just might end up needing like so many, like a bunch of bananas and hella apples and all of the chairs in a mound? Like how do I um, build that? Yeah, I think I'm wondering about um, maybe your approach as well. Like what, as you're working on a piece what is it that motivates you? How did you or how are you receiving these ideas that like uh, these different materials make sense for for each project? I mean, some
2: some things are you repeat like some some things you are like, oh, I really like this thing. I really want to have it in the space. So sometimes there. I mean, I love balloons. So is there an opportunity to bring balloons into this Um into this piece. I, I mean, again, I do like working with materials that are around, but I also like experimenting with materials to see how they, um, really can be used in, so it's like how they can, um, shift the course of the performance with their presence, with their use. So, um, I mean, I think I'm working towards like, just have something there just for the aesthetic value of it. But I think I'm, I'm I think I'm kind of practical, overly practical where I'm just like, Oh, i got to use it. Something's got to be used. It might, I mean, even if it's just something, you know, kind of dumb, we have to use it. Even if we use it in a dumb way. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I also I also really invite collaboration that way because the bananas and the and the apples were the lighting designers, um, Tuche, the lighting designers um suggestion. Should I go? Should they eat something? I was like, Yeah, like what can we get? you know, and because she's a lighting designer, she suggested green bananas and yellow, green apples and yellow bananas because of the color, because of the colors, you know, so saturated in terms of like things they could eat. And we also got pink cotton candy. So we had a, like a pile of cotton candy too. So I was, kind of, I was sort of, I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Let's I mean that 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 performance had props in a way that I don't normally use that many props and objects. We had a a six foot birthday cake, the inflatable birthday cake that we painted all black. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, let's let's um let's let's pull that in. I don't know, I think there's so much to think about in terms of the space, the staff, the performance, that um, these objects tend to come in at the the last minute because it is improvisation. So I'm kind of like, I want to be open to what actually is in the room. So I don't want to actually predetermine too much with too many objects, right? Because objects are so narrative. They have so much history, information, anything, this lime. If you see a lime, oh, okay. So now I'm suddenly thinking of um, the color green, history of limes, limes in tropical places, key lime, lime, different types of limes. I'm thinking of, um, you know, limeade. I'm thinking like you think of like 10 different things when you, when an object is put before you. And in some ways, I like that challenge to to work with that object as a collaborator. Um, but just to see, like, okay, how how many things can I say pull about the thing and then connect to the another person, three of us connect to this object. But that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure when I could just pull something out of thin air. Which is, I mean, for a lot of people, that that's a lot of pressure. So, yeah, I think these things, I think I might just, like, if I was doing a performance in this room, like, okay, okay. I mean, this is Jamaica, so it's like, okay, we got, got some mangoes mangoes outside. Okay, well, that's right there, so let's, like, put that inside, put that on the table, and we'll see what, see what happens. But I don't know if I would, you know, like, let's go get this specific thing so that we can talk about that specific thing. When people are, A, people bring things on them on their bodies and also people have things in their bags so there's a wealth there's a wealth of things I think when pe- when human beings come together um, oh, I feel like Quincy Jones starting a weird the world campaign anyways people come together <laughs> but for real I I think just as you know the modern humans we carry things on us and then and then if you want to get deep then yes in our memory and our psyches we carry so 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 much so um the sculptural elements are more of an exercise of playing with aesthetic and form and shape not necessarily i need them before for performance because I actually I feel like I don't want to rely on
1: external things or external things for the performance too much. I mean I'm object lover so I'm <laughs> it's it's really exciting to hear you about this because as kind can attest I'm like a collector of garbage and things so Um, so it's like exciting to hear it be more of like a a happenstance or like, and also to have like an improvisational relationship to, um, like how it exists in the piece and how it arrives in the work. How does that, like, cause I was was thinking about, um, like some of your pieces have had like BYOB or like bring your own, like bring your own beverage or like bring your own food to the space. And, um, and like a very like communal aspect, like, you know, food brings people together and drink brings people together in a very unique way. Like, sort of, like, running on the line of, of um, you know, like, then how do you, when you encounter those things in the space and they're coming from people, like, whether they're bringing their own beverage or bringing on their own food, like, what kind of feedback loop does that have on you in, in the space, in, in performance? When people bring their own beverage.
2: That's interesting. I'm trying to think how, what performance I have where people brought their own beverage um because i did i mean the the thing that pops up in my mind they didn't bring their own i actually provided them with alcohol because i i do this performance called documents and in the performance uh i built a drinking game into the performance into the script into the score so I mean, part part of, again, objects and props and all that. Like, the performance has a file cabinet. And in the file cabinet, I put files in there. And then I put, like, the alcohol in, like, the file folders in the uh, file cabinet. And, um, hmm. Feedback loop. I mean, I guess if they're drinking, I'm drinking too perhaps but in this in this in this performance there's a drinking game and i i mean i do participate in the game too as the audience participates in that instance i think it's um it's a it's the gift you know sort of that like i'm, I'm giving to the audience the gift of um hey here's some 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 liquor I mean, I, I usually tell you know the curator, like, hey, I need you to go get like one of each type of liquor. So whatever people want, that's there. <laughs> and um, I think also the permission to drink, to to be like social in that way inside of a performance, and not like, oh, you know, I'm at the theater and I've got my, you know, twelve dollar uh, glass a sippy cup of, of wine. But um <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, you can you can it's like yes, but it's it, yes, we are drinking, but it is part of this um this performance. It is cause this is it's like never have I ever. Hmm. Um and it's about like class. And so there's this like relationship to You know, the consumption, but also to the relationship, thinking about the relationship to class and also like, you know, games and you control how much, how big your sip is. Um, Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just thinking about like alcohol and performances. And how that works? Mm-hmm. Be, where I'll be Yeah, I think I think I I like that that gift that setting the stage for a social thing like hosting because I just um, one performance I did many years ago in Houston at Project Warehouse is called Hands in Your Lap, and basically I based this performance off of um, you know there was a moment when I was an actor touring with a children's theater, small, like play that went to schools. And I noticed how horribly the administration talked to these students. And I made a a performance about it. And in the performance, I was a teacher. So the audience, whoever came to the performance, they they were automatically the students. And... You know, I was like, you know, I was like, get in line, and then I gave me little number badges. I was like, we're going to go see this performance, which was my performance, which was a thing I'm, <laughs> a thing I made. But I was like, okay, I mean, the whole performance was really just the sort of like organizing these people to see it, and I gave them sack lunches, like I did all this work to like get to make these sack lunches for the audience members to kind of like. Really, create the reality of being like a kid in this um, environment. To be, be, to be like, oh, you've given me something, given me sustenance. You've given me something to eat, but you're also yelling at me, and you're giving me this thing. It's mine, but I can't eat it until you tell me I, I can eat it. So, like, there's this like, um, like conditional relationship. I I yeah it's a just it's a thing to investigate I think just this um the the gift gift of giving someone's um food or drink cuz even even when they provide it at a theater you know they're like oh you know alcohol or whatever you, you have to buy it it's like yeah you can go you can drink your wine during the show but you have to buy it so we're saying you can enjoy the show in this way but you also have to buy it there, there like there is there there are conditions so the feed, the feed, feedback loop for me is is investigating how you give and under what conditions you give and provide things and how to like get more information from that from that exchange if I'm gonna do it
0: hmm. yeah, yeah, that isn't something that I have thought about much in my own work we're working on, we're in early stages of um, our thesis projects right now, the second years. And a question that came up for me, because I'm the only Black uh, student in my cohort, just has to do with both the subject matter of my work and if it might be different based on who is in the audience, will there be different performances if there's like a majority Black audience versus majority white audience or just like POC. And I'm feeling different kinds of resistance to that as I think through it. And so and I don't do a lot of audience participation. So I think I will just be adding that to a list of things to meditate on for however much more time we have just to see what that what offering a gift to the audience or just including them a bit more might might do bring out in me and them for the performance. So thank you. Thank you for that. I have one more question before we wrap up, unless Red, you wanted to you wanted to throw one more in. Oh, go for it. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering what is holding your attention these days. Whether that is um, another artist whose work you really admire, the fact that you are just in Jamaica right now, living your best life. I hope um, uh, a piece of media, books, movies, TV. What um, what is yeah? What's in the front of your brain right now?
2: Let's see. Okay, I am in Jamaica, so I so like thinking about um, black nations, black culture, like being engulfed in it. I'm thinking about uh, my friend, Deborah, who's uh, started this residency. She gave me a book with Brene Brown and Tanya Burke um, about some, some essays about shame. So there's there some couple good essays in there. I'm just thinking about the things that I've, like the media I've encountered in the last like two days. I read a, uh, a graphic novel and um, watch episode of L Word, Generation Q. What else? These are things, this is, this is the media, I'm assuming. It's a little all over the place. But um, I think animation, I saw some like stop animation I really liked online. It was like this, like these little felt characters. I, I'm like, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. Reading more. I think is it um, important. I'm trying to think if I like seen any. I've been watching some like Arthur Jafa um, lectures. It's become one of my go to. Like, oh, I need to like feel smart for like two seconds. Uh, let me um, get on one of these lectures and and try to listen. So I've been, i I I really would just go to that. You know, just in that existential like. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. That's right. I mean, obviously Jamaican food, um, the proliferance of, of food. Also, I'm thinking about where in America we get our food from, and just our just lack of, especially in New York. I mean, I'm from the South and from Houston, so um, I'm on the Gulf. I'm from the Gulf, which means like we were getting fresh food from like Mexico, so fresh ish. You know, it's not like grown in Texas. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking how, 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 we, how we getting all this food in, in the New York area? How we getting all this food? Um, so that's, that's, I mean, especially this food, you know, all the way over there. I mean, I know how, but anyway, trying to enjoy that. I want to say one thing about what you said about like, um, an audience and, um, so while I'm here, one of my tasks that I've put for myself is to do Sanity TV in Kingston. And I want to do it because I'm like, oh, it's a new place. I want to do it. But really, really big picture, I want to see what Sanity TV feels like in a Black context. That's really the most important thing for me. A to learn about this place through Sanity TV, right? Learn about the culture, but also, how does this performance change when the audience is all black? What are the things that I do different? What I what do I do differently? How, do, how does the audience respond to the material? How I'm acting because they don't know they've never seen it, so they don't perceive whether or not I'm acting differently. I know that. So I'm, I'm very, um, it's, it's it's an experiment that I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to and thinking about, um, the gaze, right? Like how we've constructed it, like how and where and when these, these lenses or these gazes are constructed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I'm, black american so also there's another like um like space like what what where does where does what is my context context what is my lens like what am i bringing to it from this perspective that is black but not jamaican not caribbean um so there's there's a lot there that i'm really
0: excited about and also what do they find humorous I'm Nigerian American, um, and so the subject of my thesis does have a lot to do with that identity, um, and also just like being first generation American. Um, and I'm running into this wall of like being concerned with with authenticity in a way that you know is probably not a helpful thing to be worried about. But yeah, based on the different, not just different races of people in the audience, but different nationalities as well, just trying to see how um, the work might affect. Black American folks, Nigerian American folks, just Nigerian folks. But yeah, there, there's a lot there and it might be helpful for me to let that fall away for a little bit and just get to the heart of it. But eventually I would like to see how it is different in those, in those different contexts.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's something to play with. Cause I was just thinking about like, even if you, ha- I have done saving TV with Black people in the audience, but that's not the same as a Black audience. It's, it's the thing that is about that that we talk about and struggle with in American culture all the time because American culture is very diverse but it's mostly a white culture that we all struggle with having a relationship to it is it is the a, a dominant culture. So and you and people change in the room even the, doing standing TV and then black people in the room, but it's mostly white, those people, <laughs> you know, like, you, it's not the same. It's not the same. Even if you're sitting in a group of Black people, but you're surrounded, you know, in a white space, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same in your, you, you shift and change like unconsciously despite even being in that proximity. So yeah, that's, that's a lot to, you know, unpack. I think especially as, Student, as you know, students, you all think about performance, like how you make your performances, and what what context, and how you shape the context, and how the audience shapes the context. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your amazing questions, and um, I really appreciate it because every time I do uh, one of these interviews i
0: learn about what i do i learn more i'm happy to hear that so, that's um, that's very exciting <laughs> thank you so much for for taking the time to coming to performance lab and then um making the time to to speak with us we both really appreciate it
1: yeah thank you so much it's truly been a pleasure i'm good
0: hope so The Performance Lab podcast was brought to you by Contemporary Performance Network,
2: in association with the Sarah Lawrence College Theater MFA program.
0: For more information, please visit our websites at www.contemporaryperformance.com
2: or www.slctheater.com.